Hey, how's it going? Welcome in the Pro Football Ireland Jeff Rainbow Show Jewel live podcast. Uh, I presume people can hear me under this background music. Michael McQueen, Jeff Rainbow. Jeff, can you hear me okay? Yeah, all good. I can hear you fine, Michael. We are killing two birds with one stone today, man. Yeah, it's all, it's all good. I think a, a, anybody that has seen the podcast um, just in recent weeks will have seen. I think your like our logo is under your podcast artwork so like for anyone that's been doing that they're not going to be surprised but we're live we're just going to try and kill two birds with one stone in the positive way april the 13th jeff um it seems like only yesterday we were sitting um in phoenix having some fun having some crack um you know with the super bowl and suddenly we're two weeks out like two weeks tonight from the draft like how are you feeling just not for a start uh, i think i'm excited for the draft i think it's uh going to be a really really interesting one michael because you know we always talk about the quarterback being the most important position in sport and certainly the most important position in the national football league in any pro level it's it's the most important position on the field there could be as many as five guys go in the first round now that's too many i'm just telling you right now as a guy who sat in many draft rooms and done many evaluations that's too many but that's the nature of the business now that the quarterback position has become so very important. Will the Texans take a quarterback? That's going to be an interesting one. What is what is what do the Cardinals do with that third pick? Is it going to be CJ Stroud? Is it going to be Bryce Young? Hendon Hooker, you know, all of a sudden he starts now to, to gain some traction. Will Levis showed off a great big arm. Richardson, you know, has done some things athletically. You take Richardson, Tate, and you're not ever going to draft him in the first round. But because of the importance of the position and because of his physical profile, he might get pushed up into that first round. So it's going to be fascinating to watch it unfold on draft night. And again, I want to be with live with you guys on draft night with all the fans in the UK and Ireland and you know we're going to chop it up pick by pick pick by pick crack by crack hour by hour in the in the early hours yeah that's going to be good fun live from approximately 10 to 12 i want to say live from 1 a.m this draft like like jeff 1 a.m is what 2 p.m your time must be nice watching the draft at two o'clock in the afternoon it's seriously like i mean like what what like what is it it's like what, 11 o'clock in the morning over there at the minute yeah i mean we yeah i think when michael it wouldn't matter if it was Two o'clock in the morning, seven thirty in the morning, nine thirty in. It don't matter, man. It's the draft. It's your team's chance to get better. And so, this to me is the most intriguing day of the entire year. Free agency is cool, right? But this draft is so important to every team, but particularly those teams that hold that you know that hold those high picks. You know, Carolina gave away a king's ransom to get the first pick. Now, who are they going to go with? They've had. Stroud in for a visit. They've had, you know, almost every one of the top quarterbacks has come in there for a visit. So when you look at that, they're not playing their cards, right? But I got to believe it's Bryce Young. I really, truly believe it's Bryce Young. He has the ability to create outside the pocket that's unlike the other guys. Stroud's bigger, yes. Will Levis got a bigger arm, yes. Richardson's a better athlete in the whole picture when you go height, weight, speed arm strength but he's not nearly as uh, complete a player not le- nearly as accurate a passer right so 
when you look at Bryce Young's body of work, to me, that's where Carolina has to go. We are uh, right now, folks. We're live. We're not pre-recorded. This is a live episode. If you do want, there's nearly a hundred people on Twitter watching this. If you want to get a question, and you have to because of Twitter, it's not my fault. It's Twitter's fault. Elon, it's your fault, mate. You gotta go to YouTube. Type in Pro Football Ireland. Um, and type in Proof Football Ireland Jeff Ryan Bolt it'll pop up um, we're getting some comments in we'll, we'll get them in towards the end and, and just have, and have some fun for Jeff talking about the draft we, we, we will come back to it in a wee second just for people that are aware of it if you search on your podcast provider Jeff Ryan Bolt show Jeff and Ollie Hodgkinson of Pro Football Network are going through every position Jeff's got a people's draft coming up Sunday week I think that's to be believed I forgot I have to organise that I'll set it up in a wee bit and um, yeah it's, it's going to be fun man I'm, I'm looking forward to it and obviously draft night coming up for people in Ireland uh, especially the PFI College Football Show looks at every position going into the draft also apart from one which I've missed out on Jeff it would be a miss of us not to talk about um, this big news today uh, and it's not with President Biden coming over here uh, enjoying the delicacies of Tato and Guinness clearly um, I, I, I know you're a big connoisseur of that Jeff but um, obviously mate um, the commanders I was about to say the Redskins are like, or the Washington football team the commanders have been bought over and I'm led to believe it is the, what the biggest the biggest deal ever in sports over six billion dollars to Josh Harris the funny thing was and obviously for the team that I support the Broncos Jeff there was talk for a long time that Jeff Bezos was going to be involved that he was going to be coming in and now it looks like that's not going to happen there's talk that he can maybe buy somewhere else like Arizona for example and um, this is a new dawn for the commanders. It's going to take them a long time to obviously rebuild, but they're going in the right direction after Snyder gets out. Yeah, I think, you know, say what you want about Dan Snyder and what he's done there. First of all, this this thing is over $6 billion for this franchise. It includes the stadium. It includes the practice facility. But it's important that people understand, too, right now, right now as we speak live, this deal is not done. It's agreed to in principle. Right. It's not signed. There's still a lot of work that has to go on, not only to get it signed, but also to get it ratified by the other owners in the league. So it's not a done deal yet. I know that there are still groups. The Bezos group is out, but there's a, still a gentleman uh, billionaire from Canada that's interested in, in buying the club and has bid on the club. Um, it's amazing that the Harris bid for the Broncos Michael was about 4.5 or 4.2. I'm not sure which, but he didn't, he didn't, wasn't able to close that deal. So I think that gave him some impetus to close this deal because of the two franchises, I would have, I would have much rather had Denver than, than uh, DC, because when you, when you take on the DC franchise, um, you know, you've got an aging stadium. You're probably going to need a new stadium. I don't know what that's going to entail with, with uh, you know, all the political things that have to get done to build a stadium. Um, they do have a good practice facility. I mean, if, if I've been there. It's, you know, it's not one of the tops in the NFL, but certainly a good, a good out there in Virginia. It's a good facility. But you've got a legacy of, well, let me just say it this way. you got a legacy that you wouldn't be proud of. And I think you're right, Mike. You said it perfectly when you said it's a new day for the Commander franchise, for the Washington Commanders. And I'm happy that it's happened. Uh, I don't think there are too many people that are going to be sad to see Dan Snyder, you know, 
not involved in the NFL anymore. And I, I'm hopeful for all the fans, all the commander fans in back to the Redskin days. And I, I don't, I'm not talking about going back to that logo or any of that stuff. I'm just saying that this is a loyal, loyal fan base in DC that has struggled and suffered and, you know, hasn't been able until since the Joe Gibbs days, you know, with John Riggins and, you know, the diesel and all of that to be a Super Bowl champion. And, you know, that's the goal of every one of these teams. And this new ownership is going to bring new energy. Uh, you know, this guy knows what it takes to own a professional franchise. He owns the New Jersey hockey team of the NHL and he owns the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, the NBA, this group does. Uh, the two principals in the group are both worth over $5 billion and magic Johnson's in the group too. And that, you know, that little showtime in the group doesn't hurt at all. So I think it's a real positive step for Washington football fans. They're going in the right direction. I actually got a, a message from a guy from Ireland called uh, Tony Wheat from Drogheda, not, not too far from where Mr. Biden was yesterday in Dundalk. Looks like the day, Michael, uh, the Washington fans have been waiting a long time for has finally arrived. Uh, they're not too many in number over here, but they're definitely out there to be you know big fans. And they all seem very, very happy, Jeff. And I have to, I have to agree with you. It's been so long since, you know, not that they've been relevant, but it's been so long since they've got to that sort of, that, that sort of level so like, I'm I'm intrigued to see not only what they're going to do on the field but as you've said they need a new stadium I mean that that, that, that stadium was falling apart at one point like was it was it Lamar Jackson when Baltimore were playing where literally it could have something from the stadium could have fell and land, like landed on him it was that crazy it's just it's time build a new ground or build a new stadium and um, you know keep the team in the DC area and you know like Jeff that's the thing I, I remember being I remember being in an Uber to Baltimore and the guy was having a conversation with me a couple of years ago saying a lot of younger fans now are just going to support the Ravens because they just don't see Washington or the Commanders as an attractive option. But now they're starting to build that back. It's going to take them a long time though. Yeah, it's going to take time and it always takes time to build a fan base. It takes minutes to lose a fan base. It takes years to build a fan base. And, you know, Michael... If you know if you know your history, if you know your NFL history, this is a this is a proud proud franchise, right? And they do have, you know, fans around the world that live and die with the Washington Football Team every Sunday afternoon, every Monday night that they play, every Thursday night that they play. They love this football team, and there are a lot of great players, a lot of Hall of Fame players that have played for uh, the Washington Football Club. And, you know, it's time for them to be relevant again. You use that term relevant. You know, I think they were relevant at times, you know, over the last 25, 30 years. But one of the things that was a criticism that I had of, of Daniel Snyder was his, miss, his not letting the football guys do the football stuff, right? Meddling in, in personnel decisions. I mean, I know for a fact that there were at, at times – Players like uh, Bruce Smith, they didn't even – they circumvented the head coach and went right to Snyder on things. Well, when you have it that way, you're going to have issues. and You're never going to get – look at all the coaches that came through there. And I'm talking about great football coaches that Mike Shanahan couldn't get it done there. You know, it's, it's just incredible when you look at the number of guys that have gone through there that were great coaches – Gibbs came back a second time. Joe Bugle. I mean, 
a bunch of them and couldn't get it done. And why? Well, there's one common denominator, and that was Dan Snyder and his meddling in football affairs. And hopefully now this is a step in the right direction to get a strong general manager. I, I, you know, again, I don't know what it's going to mean uh, for Ron Rivera. Uh, you know, I'm a Ron Rivera fan. I like the guy a great deal. But this is now there'll, there'll be some turnover. There's naturally going to be fallout when you have one of these kind of decisions. We have a heap of people watching this live and obviously a massive thanks to everyone listening on the podcast on Pro Football Ireland and on the Jeff Ryan Bull Show. Please do subscribe and leave a rating, folks. If you do, it helps us. Uh, Dave Ross, Simon, Tony, everyone, welcome in, listening live at the minute. If you want to ask us a question, you can do. Go to YouTube, type in Pro Football Ireland and it should pop up. A couple of questions already. We'll get to them at the end of the broadcast. Jeff, uh, very quickly on Washington. We, we met a guy in Phoenix that was uh, the backup and also the starter for Washington at one point. I got to get Gus Ferrati on, um, on the show at some point because he's a um, stand-up guy. Like He's loved over here great. now. He's, he's almost like a legend up here now at this point, but uh, great, great guy. I, I knew I knew when, I, when he was at the table next to us on Radio <laughs> Row, and I knew we started talking and, and he said he was going to bring his family to Ireland. I, that's when I went over to your table and grabbed you and brought you over. Said, I said, you got to meet this guy. Cause if you talk about the NFL in Ireland, you got to talk to Mike McQuaid. And it was awesome that you guys had a chance to get together. Gus Farratt's a good guy, a good guy. And you know, he's probably for a lot of football fans and you can YouTube this. If you're a young guy and you haven't never seen it, Gus was a Gus holds the record for the longest touchdown pass in NFL history. But he was most famous for knocking himself out after a Redskins win when he came down the tunnel and headbutted the headbutted the cement wall. So, <laughs> but it, actually, I think you can catch that on YouTube if you've never seen it. It's a it's a moment. You it's definitely classic. can. It's mad. That, that's why I want to get him on to talk about it because it's actually insane. I think it was like the number one thing of the year on Mon- on Monday Night Football on or on Sports Center late night or whatever. You um, know what? It's funny because it just got a bunch new play because in the nba a player from the minnesota timberwolves the other night after a game in frustration walked off mm. the field punched the cement wall and broke his hand so he was he was going to be out for the play-in elimination game against the lakers the other day and they were and that that re they said what was the last time you ever saw a player hurt himself coming off the field and they said Gus Verrat when he had when he had butted the cement wall in in uh, I think it was Washington I think. Did you see just for just as you brought that up, Jeff? Did you see the situation? I, I'm not. I'm, I used to watch the NBA a lot. I don't really get time anymore because of the late nights, busy schedule, yada yada. But did you see the one with the Dallas Mavericks? And this is this is relevant to the NFL folks. The Dallas Mavericks. The, uh, the, they you know basically and you know they basically rested their team. Uh, to get a higher draft pick, but they could have made like if all they had to do was win a game, they would have made the playoffs. Could you imagine that happening? Uh, well, it's happened in the NFL to an extent, but like just the sort of the, just the kickoff from that Jeff's been crazy. Yeah, I, I think that you know that's again one of those things that that's always something that's talked about, right? And you know, you know, let's be honest, the Dallas Mavericks have not been without controversy with that crazy owner that they've got, but. The one thing that, you know, I think the league, the NBA, is going to have to look into that really, really closely because, you know, 
obviously in the bottom line and the bottom line is always the bottom line michael it's money right in vegas and gambling and betting and all that other stuff well when you basically throw a game to get a better draft pick imagine what that does to you know to the gamblers so one of the reasons why the nfl is so against that and the nba has the lottery system right which just because you you finish last doesn't mean you're going to get the first pick like in the national football league in the nba you can finish last and your probability of the first pick is higher but you got to go into the lottery um so again i think that's one of those deals it's unfortunate i feel bad for the team um you know but again uh, you know, sports is about winning. And, you know, when when you feel that your chance to get a better player or a better draft position is more important than getting in the playoffs, I think you got some issues. This is like serious off-season peak content here. So I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, thanks to everyone getting their comments. And we are, we are going to go through that. A big shout out to Fred watching live, Luke watching live, uh, Paul Hope watching live as well. Good, good to see you, Paul, as well. I made up the Niners. Jeff, um, I don't want to go into the obvious storylines, but it's been a while since we spoke in, in this sort of capacity. Um, has there been anything else that sort of piqued your interest over the last few weeks? The obvious one to talk about would probably be Aaron Rodgers, that we still are sitting here two weeks tonight from the NFL draft. Uh, and look, we'll, we'll do this next Thursday as well for the crack. If you want, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of look back on this. But um, do you think this is a sort of a, a storyline that we're going to be looking at come... 10 minutes to the draft starting in two weeks now? I I think we might be looking at it after the draft, right? You know, again, because, okay, let's say the the first, it's it's an issue of first round draft picks, right? Well, if if the draft goes and they still haven't consummated a deal, well, then we're talking about 2024 first rounder, 2025 first round of futures, right? I think this thing is is not done. And I think it's something that's going to, percolate all the way up to the draft very close i know i know that joe douglas has come out publicly on boomer esiason's show and said he will be here right now that's a pretty tall you know that's a pretty tall guarantee to make on national television what was national television it was, it was it's a pretty big thing to say isn't it it's mental yeah, like, I mean, for him to come out and say that all, on that outlet is not you're backing yourself in a corner right and they've done that the, the jets have backed themselves in a corner and the packers you know, who's got the juice in this? Nobody's got the juice but Aaron Rodgers, right? And so I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I was fascinated to watch the Odell Beckham thing, right, where a guy who hasn't played in a year and has an ACL injury gets $15 million guaranteed for on a one-year deal. That's, that's all worth it if, number one, he plays, and number two, it's Lamar Jackson throwing passes to him, right? Those are two big ifs. Like, I, well, I think so. I think there's there's questions about it, right? Because and and OBJ said it exactly perfectly. He goes, "We can't forecast the future." He said, "That's not up to me. That's up. I would like to see that happen because everybody's first take was, okay, this is the way that they guarantee that Lamar's going to come be our quarterback next year." Well, it hadn't happened yet, right? So. I think the reality of it is still the Ravens and Lamar have got to come to terms. And, and I'm talking about serious long-term deal with big time guaranteed money. And then that, that, that 
marriage that we all would love to see, which is Lamar Jackson throwing to Odell Beckham Jr. in a new offense with, you know, uh, you know, when you look at that, you know they're going to be more diversified. There's going to be more throwing in the offense. There's going to be still they'll take advantages of, uh, you know, what Lamar does with his feet and, you know, outside the pocket and the strength of the offensive line and running the football. But it's going to be a chance for us to see is really – Lamar Jackson, that guy who can win from the pocket. And because he's going to have, I'm sure, much more, much more opportunity to do that than he had in the previous offense. And you think about it, you know, how much power does Lamar Jackson have? Well, he's got enough power that, you know, look at the number of offensive coaches that have gone through that place, Mm. right? And, you know, say what you want. They've, they've done a great job in the regular season, but they haven't been able to win in the playoffs. He has one playoff win, right? And so it costs the coordinator a job, right? Because who are you going to fire? Are you going to fire the coordinator or are you going to fire the quarterback? You're going to fire the coordinator first, right? Because it's harder to find quarterbacks than it is offensive coordinators, no matter how good the guy is. And so, you know, I think this is, I think this is a hopeful moment for the Raven fans, but it ain't over yet, baby. And, and there's a lot that has to happen. I just thought it was funny that John Ram was walking down the 17th in the Masters and suddenly the news about OBJ to the, to the Ravens came out and suddenly just before Ram synced the 18th hole put to win golf's prestigious jacket when all, you know, when all the eyes were in Jim Nance's EBS that suddenly this huge deal came out like yes 15 million but you know rising to 18 with incentives and it's you know as you said it's hard to believe that the last time he touched the football professionally at a real level was in the end zone for the Rams for a team that he barely played for the whole season on and won a ring and fair play to him he was unbelievable in that game for what for you know in terms of what he played I was you know gutted for him when he went off injured but my god even then I don't think anybody thought that at that point that night that he was going to be out for a year now going to Baltimore Baltimore need weapons. I, I fully agree. If you imagine the offense with Mark Andrews, a decently fit OBJ and Lamar Jackson, Jesus, I mean, like the, the AFC suddenly turns into some sort of you know consistent juggernaut. It's uh, it's scary to think. I I'm just not sold in this whole Lamar thing. Like I, I know they've been FaceTiming and they've been laughing, but OBJ knows what he's doing. He he knows that regardless of what happens now. He's getting his, he's getting the bag. He's getting a one-year deal. Um, he's 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 won a ring. I think if OBJ wanted to play more than another two to three years in the league, he'd be looking at a different team personally. And I'm not fully sold on Lamar being back in Baltimore until it's confirmed, until it happens. And it just seems, Jeff, that there are so many dominoes yet to fall here as we're two weeks out because we've been talking for. The guts of like 25 minutes and yes you mentioned the draft at the start but we've been we've barely mentioned it because there's so much going on and it's just it's insane michael there we'll continue to talk all the way up to opening kickoff of the first game i mean that's just the way it is all the way through the season and that's what makes that's what makes what we do so much fun that we're able to get on here and chop it up with the fans here's the reality i mean think about it man how big a market was there for obj really right how big a market was there for obj really he, he mm-hmm. had this big workout for all the teams, right? And supposedly was to visit the Jets on Tuesday. 
and then Baltimore swoops in and takes him on Monday. Well, how how far through free agency were we, right? Mm. So you're looking at a 30-plus-year-old receiver that has had two ACL surgeries, right? And, you know, again, I'm discounting all the off-the-field stuff. Just think of it in those terms. But $15 million on a one-year deal, guaranteed, right? Could go to 18, but there's $15 million guaranteed that they're on the hook for, right? On, now, I'm sure he passed the physical and all that stuff, and they feel like he's going to be ready to play. But that's a huge outlet for a guy who has not played an awful lot of football in the last 13 or 14 months. So, you know, we, we will see what we will see. I'm hopeful that he plays well because he could be a huge part of that offense and a huge part of helping Lamar become a better quarterback or, you know, more consistent throwing quarterback. Aguilar is an interesting one to me when you start talking about the Ravens, right? Mm. Because he's a big bodied guy that has a big catching range, but has never really played as well as people thought he would play when he came out of SC. So I would not be surprised if they don't, you know, continue to work to upgrade that offense through the draft and, you know, again, into later rounds of free agency or trades. Mm. Just sipping my tea live for anyone on the podcast. Apologies there, folks. Fully agree with you, Jeff. I think, like, let's let's get into some draft talk here now. Obviously, we're two weeks out at the time of recording. We are live on draft night, for people wondering. Yes, I'm jumping the gun. I'm going to go live with this man here. Uh, and with a few other special PFI guests. Uh, very much looking forward to it. Starts oh, yeah, at 11.50 p.m. I'm just going to say this, Mike. If the fans out there want draft coverage that knows the draft that has watched these players then you got to tune into our draft show yeah otherwise otherwise you know watch watch cartoons right because (laughs) we have studied the draft and we know who the players are right and it'll be interesting as we go pick by pick through it to talk Mm. about these guys and what you're getting when you get that guy right let me ask you this i'm gonna i'm gonna turn it around and, and put you on now you know your denver broncos right what what's your area of need what's your number one priority if you're the general manager of the of the denver broncos right now right you're george Patton. what would you say i gotta get that guy what would you do with your first pick it's it's hard to say you know a certain person that you want but you, I, th- I think you look a quarterback and you want to try and get someone to play you know, across from PS2, across from Pasertain, or, or you want to get a center for me. I think those are the two main positions that you look at. Obviously, bringing in different guys like Powers in free agency. The, the, the Broncos made a splash. McGlinchey as well. Um, there is a promising sign there, but I think for a lot of fans and a lot of analysts or whatever, you can bring in whoever you want during the draft process, but when you're not picking until, I don't know, is it second round at this point i've literally got to the point are, are, are we picking 47 for 60 something that, that's where i'm at at the minute so it's like yeah if we can get a quarterback or get a center you're not really and this, this is this is the, this is the beauty like you're, you're not going to get that chance to really to judge that player especially in those two positions until the second half of, of at least this season or especially at center you got to give them a bit of time you know the broncos have had some really really poor drafts over the last few years we've got a couple of comments and um, broncos need a safety and a center and that is coming in from gaffin jones big up to gaffin here and um, 
so if you give me a center now i I definitely take one I actually let let's flip it on because there's people commenting uh, Fred who is away on draft night for this is your friend Fred Flunk Jeff. our guy he's a good hugger apparently he does um he says he's away on draft night but he'll log in and this is where it gets an interesting sort of point here Dallas Cowboys obviously Fred is a Cowboys fan um should they go tight end defensive line or safety with their first pick could you imagine if they got Michael Mayer with Doc Prescott baby yeah, Gronk you know what I, I, I'm gonna tell you something I'm not as big a fan of Michael Mayer as a lot of people are in terms of what are you trying to replace are you trying to replace Dalton Schultz right that's if that's what you want what do you want out of that tight end because Mayer's a I, I think a very very good football player I, I believe he's a first round draft choice but there are other tight ends in this draft that to me are more dynamic players than Michael Mayer and you know I I like the I like the kid from Utah a ton a ton I think he's a really really good player and I think he's going to be a good pro. There were some questions about his back. He got his, he got clearance this past week. His doctor, one of the doctors sent out a, a communique that his back was healed and ready to go. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. you got to make sure when you start talking about players and positions, what do you want? This is the key thing that happens in, dra- in the draft, right? It's, it's like you say, okay, I want a tight end. What do I need that tight end to be able to do, right? In the past, if you were the Cowboys, you would want a guy that can play in line, but you need a more dynamic guy, a guy that can go out and play in the slot, that can go out and play as a wide out, right? And that's what Schultz gave him. And so to me, that's not Michael Moore, but there are other tight ends. It's a good tight end draft, right? There are other tight end guys that you may take over him because you want a specific type. Or you go the other direction and say, give me the best player available, right, at that spot. Interestingly enough, for your Broncos, Mike, I think defensive back is a deep part of this draft, one of the deep parts of this draft. So if you're looking for a corner to play opposite Sertain, you're going to get one in the second round. They're going to be guys there. You can almost, I think, as a fan that knows for the Broncos, especially this year, it's more of a wait and see sort of year and try and get it. Obviously, in in our case, free agency, try and get some talent there. If we could get, you know, if, if there was one or two players that we got from that draft that we're looking at in three or four years' time and have embedded themselves in the team, I'll be a happy man. And, and I think if you improve Russell Wilson, then I'll I'll, I'll take that and run for the hills. And um, I got I've got a few questions here. Owen, who's a big Niners fan uh, from Dublin. Is saying who should who should the 49ers select with the 99 pick from the draft 99 is that their first pick in the draft pick 99 is there any wonder we, we could barely any 49ers fans go to this draft event on april the 28th in dublin now jeff i am trying to get you over to this but it's it's 1500 euro to fly you over and um, i just i can't i can't do it i mean i want to do it if anybody wants to fork in 15 ip we get like 25 people to do it that's poor maz there we'll do it. jeff 27 hour flight the way there um hey, that's that's just details man that's just details you want to <laughs> you, you want to make it happen we'll make it happen but, you know talk about that 99th pick for the for the 49ers when you start picking below the second round mm. right then i think you got to look more at best player available right Who's the best player on your board 
at that spot because the draft kind of goes in runs you know like for example all of a sudden two quarterbacks go and you need a quarterback well you what what the trap is is that you push a guy up because of his position right the mm. really smart draft people know that once you get past a point you don't take a guy you don't overdraft a guy based on his position you get the best player available right and then fit him into your fit him into your scheme i think you know at 99 there's there's still going to be there may be a tight end left there may be some there'll be some corners on the board that can help guys uh, I, I think this edge rush, it depends on what kind of package you use. If you're a three, four outside linebacker guy, I see a lot of guys in this draft that are going to be good that because there's going to be runs at other positions, they'll get pushed down. Right. So for example, look at Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas, right? Great, talent. great talent. Great. The only hole, the only flaw that I could find in him, Mike, when I looked at him on tape, was he's not a great pass blocker. Right? Mm. You know, he he doesn't really stick his nose in there on big linebackers when they run through. But he can do every other thing you want a running back to do. Well, he's definitely one of the top ten players in this draft. But he might get pushed out of the top ten if five of the top ten are quarterbacks. You understand what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that's how it that's how you can get pushed down. The other thing is is look at Carter, Jalen Carter. He's a real he's a real lightning rod right now. A guy who doesn't get to go to the combine because he gets arrested for for a stupid reckless driving thing. Right? Yeah. Which is his second offense. His pro day, he's nine pounds overweight, right? Past his playing weight. He doesn't can't even finish the drills in in his at his pro day. And then he comes out and says, I'm not visiting anybody, any team that's not in the first in the top that's not picking in the top ten. And I'm thinking to myself, who is who had, who is advising this kid? Because after you're arrested and don't get a combine, and then you have a poor pro day and you're fat and out of shape at your pro day. The last thing you do is start making demands about where you're going to go. And, and you ought to be thankful to have an opportunity to go to any place. Because if I'm, think about it, somebody may be saying, that kid is so good. Let's trade up to get him. And then he comes out and says, I'm not, I'm not visiting any place that doesn't have a top 10 pick. I, I, too many alarm bells, Mike. Too many, too many, what, as we say in the business, red flags. Right? Red, so is that, is that what you're saying? Red flags is is height a red flag for you? Because obviously, if you look at Bryce Young, he would be the third quarterback that's under six foot drafted uh, in regards to what you got: Kyler Murray, Johnny Football. Um, you know, it it, it 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 could be interesting. I mean, like Bryce Young. Do you think as of tonight, the Carolina get him first pick, or do you think they go CJ Stroud? I, I think he's the, if they go on quarterback, I think he's the best one, right? Because of his ability to create outside the pocket and do things like that. Now, there's all that talk about well, you got to be this tall, and you know if you're not six three, you're too short, and you know. Let me let me he just fits say it's Frank Reich's system as well, doesn't he? he? Sort of fits what Reich wants. Yeah, let, let's 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 be honest. Okay, you do. The, let me let me. 
This is 6'6", six, six, right? That's the D lineman. This is 6'4", right? Where are your eyes? Your eyes are down here. So you can't see over the defensive lineman regardless. Regardless. Yeah. Right? That, like, how people say that, and I, and I hear them go, and I say, what? 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 <laughs> Like that's one of those that's one of those statements that people make that don't know anything about football, right? The reality of it is, you throw through lanes. You don't throw over people, right? And so your ability to move and slide and find ways to throw through people is is what allows you to succeed. Whether you're six three or five nine, right? Now. Doug Flutie was our quarterback in 1991. And as soon as Doug Flutie had a, any passes tipped, any pass that was tipped, right? It was all, it was what did, what did the media who knows nothing about football say? Oh, he's too short. He can't, he can't throw over the D line. <laughs> Nobody throws over the D line. Paxton Lynch was six, eight, and he didn't throw over the defensive line. Right. Okay. So, that I think is so like, I just think it's so overused, right? Mm. Who's the best defensive lineman in football today? Well, that's, that's not start of the bit. Who's yours? Cause I, I don't want to start. Yeah, it's, it's down until somebody else shows me different, right? <laughs> well, okay. imagine a f five foot seven quarterback, right? With Aaron Donald running at you like a country mile. He's a big boy. Like, He's, so he's I, six, I get what you're Aaron, saying. Aaron Donald six feet tall, six one maybe, right? I've stood next to him, been on the field with him, right? Mm. And you look at him and say, "Well, he doesn't fit the profile," but he makes play after play after play. So when you evaluate, and this is important that that our fans listen to what I'm saying, when you evaluate. Yes, you have a prototype. You want the guy to be a certain height, weight, and speed. But the bottom line is when you put on the tape, what does the guy play? Right? And we'll go through this every year. And the combine only makes it worse. Right? Mm. Because it's, a, it's the underwear Olympics. Right? It's a beauty contest. And it's easy for people to say he's 6'4", he's not 6'6", six, six. he can't play left tackle. He's got 31-inch arms, not 34-inch arms length. He can't play tackle, right? Michael, if the 40 time mattered the most, right, why don't we just go to the Olympic Games and just draft every sprinter in the, in the Olympics? <laughs> Because the game is not played that way. Yeah. It's, how many times will you run straight ahead without anybody trying to impede you 40 yards? You know what? I'll bet you say it might happen once again. Once. <laughs> if you're lucky. I mean. But we make that the gold standard. It was invented. It, okay, let's have some football history now for everybody. It was invented by Paul Brown, right? And it was the it became the standardized test for speed. There's there's no magic in the forty time, right? John Ross 
Ask the Cincinnati Bengals fans how much they believe in the 40 time after they had John Ross. Yeah. I mean, it's not even that. It's like you look at guys that have like a like a, like like a four four or four five or four five five or a four five seven. You're talking tens of seconds, and it's like they're fast. They're more fast than me or you. Yeah, let's just agree on that and just get on with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, exactly, Mike. Exactly. You can tell if a guy's fast. Put on the tape. Can other guys catch him? If they can't, he's probably pretty fast, right? This sounds like a very interesting combine draft to, or combine podcast to had to be had next year. We'll we'll pre-record it in Radio Row in Vegas. I promise we will do. It. If you remind me, we'll do it. And um, I do want to add in one last question here tonight, and it's from Paul, big Niners man in the UK, very very big supporter of of the game in 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 Ireland, the UK, and and, and beyond. Loves his Niners. Those guys do great work, and we're, we're we're very appreciative, Jeff, of just of their support and continued support. He's put a comment in here, Jeff, saying, "Who do you think makes the biggest splash on draft night?" And I think that is a really interesting one. I think Tennessee. I think Tennessee go up; they get their quarterback. I I think the and then the whole if they if they, if they went after like I don't know like Anthony Richardson. And you've got Malik Willis there, and you've got Ryan Tannehill there, and obviously at that point you're going, well, maybe Ryan Tannehill might be used in a trade. Jesus, I mean, Mike Vrabel had a lot of questions to answer uh, after a few days there. Do you agree with the Titans, or, or do you think somebody else? I think I think it's one of the intriguing questions going into the draft because there has been a lot of speculation that Richardson's going to go to the Titans, right? Well, they just drafted Malik Willis last year, right? They've got Ryan Tannehill under contract. If you take if you take Richardson, somebody's going to come out of there, right? Now, I know that I know that Willis is on a rookie contract and all that other stuff, but this is a team that's rebuilding, right? And you would have to say that Anthony Richardson is worth a first-round pick, right? What, what, if you think Willis can play, and I don't know this because I'm not talking to Mike Vrabel on a daily basis, right? But if you think Willis can play and he's your player of the future, then trade the pick down for more picks because you've got to rebuild a roster, right? That's that's where I think this thing is so interesting. There are some teams that are very, very close, right? They're going to covet that pick a bunch. Then there are other teams, for example, the Texans, unless you really want C.J. Stroud and you really believe if – Let's say let's say Young goes first, right? Mm. And and you say, well, we've got Stroud graded, let's say eighth best player, right? And you can trade down to get a player. Let's say you can get the sixth pick, and you can get another one next year and another player because that, that somebody's going to have to want that guy to get it, right? Or you can take it. And that's where all this disinformation in the draft is really important because you want to send a smoke screen. If you're if you're the Texans, let's go through that scenario. You know Harper's going to go. Carolina takes it. You want to have spent so much time with publicly with Stroud that people down five, six, seven, nine, wherever they're at, are willing to trade up to ensure that they get him. And they're giving you your future. They're giving you multiple picks. They're giving you chances to improve your football team, right? 
that's why I think the Lions have such a beautiful positioning in this draft with two first rounders. That number six one, Jeff, is, is what I was going to say next. If they go after a guy like um, Anderson, w- Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama, and put him on the other side of Hutchinson, the potential there is unreal. You know, like the guy had, I think, 18 sacks last season. Hutchinson had 14 in his first season. Great season in Detroit. The whole storyline in Detroit, well, what's going on there? The, the, the gains, the movements in that division. Um, it's it's going to be good fun. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to have to join us for all this crack and all this fun in two weeks. Going to be there, man. We're going to be talking. To, we're going to be talking about it, you know, in detail. You know, think about Detroit, right? Mm. I would say where I would look for is if let's say you're Detroit and you feel real good about the culture that you've got in Detroit, right? And you feel yeah. real good about Dan Campbell's ability to lead and all that other stuff. So let's say Jalen Carter's available at six. I'm taking it, right? I'm taking it. Because when he wants to play, he's unblockable as an inside player. You you've got you mentioned Hutchinson. Hutchinson's a good player. They got another pass rusher on the other side. They've done a great job of improving their secondary, which they needed to. They still got Anceloni and, and a solid Rodriguez, a solid group of linebackers, right? So yeah. where they really need, if they can get a dominant inside pass rusher to push the pocket, I'm telling you, that's you got a chance. And, you know, B. John Robinson might be hanging around when they pick later in the first round. And there you get a... How, how late are we talking? If, he, if he's still hanging around in the top, after the top 18, we're looking at a draft day movie scenario because he should be gone by that well, point, surely. But see, this is what we're talking about, Michael. This is going to be the intrigue of the draft to me because if he gets pushed down, right, mm. then it could happen. Think of it. There's 16 picks, right? If all five quarterbacks go, right, we're down to 11 picks now. Yeah. Right? And who needs an offensive tackle? Who needs a corner? Who needs a dominant receiver? Running back, eh, you know. So It starts to fall down, yeah. That's scenario. If you're a Lions fan, that's a scenario that I'm hoping for. Um, Tony Wheatstein saying Tyree Wilson for the Lions in the comments. Thank you, Tony, for that. Yeah, you know, you're talking about a guy we've seen. I, I seen him play in Dublin last year for Northwestern. Peter Skoronsky, the offensive tackle guard. Uh, big boy, Jeff. Real think, all-pro potential as well. Yeah, wouldn't it be fascinating with Skoronsky, right? Skoronsky grew up in suburban Chicago. Has He's to go to the Chicago. Bears. Well, that's what I'm saying. He, he went to Northwestern. Right, Evanston, suburban Chicago, right up on the north part of the lake, right. And wouldn't it be cool if you played your high school career, your college career, and your NFL career in the same city? I mean, that's a, that's a storybook deal. And Skronsky has first round capability. I think personally, he's a better guard than he is a tackle. But for the Bears, man, oh man, could you turn your back on that guy if he's available? unreal if it happens I, I'm, I'm sure coach Fitz would be happy if it happened as well you get to spend more time with him think about how like how excited must the Bears be mm. now with with all they got by giving up the first round the first pick right there's a lot of Bears fans DM me every week Jeff talking about you know excitement talking about oh. Justin Fields oh Justin man Fields, all right, they they They've now bought 
that they bought Justin Fields, right? He's their guy, right? They've gone out and improved their football team in the offseason in free agency. Now they got a chance to make a quantum leap in the draft, right? You're in a division that probably is not going to have Aaron Rodgers. The Minnesota Vikings are reloading. Detroit has yet to prove, right? They were everybody's darling this year, and I'm a Lions fan. They were everybody's darling. But can they really do it two years in a row? I mean, it's easy. Mm. They, They snuck up on a lot of people early last year, right? So could the Bears be a worst-to-first scenario? Absolutely in that division. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Uh, April the 28th, Friday, April the 28th, uh, from 9 o'clock, we're in McGowan's in, I can't say, is it Fibsborough, folks? If I've pronounced that wrong, I'm really sorry to the people of Dublin and just the people of the South in general. Um, we're, we're, we're in McGowan's from 9 o'clock. We're going to replay round one. And round two and round three start at midnight. The bar is open, serving drinks, drink responsibly, eighteen plus, until two thirty a.m. And it will, you know, start to close two thirty, two forty-five, three a.m. So you'll get to see a lot of round two, round three. And um, you can go to profootball.ie to get, uh, you know, cheap tickets to cover the entry and cover prizes and stuff. And um, if you, you know, feeling very, if you're feeling very festive, you want to fly Jeff over DM us, and we'll certainly get that uh, sorted Jeff and we'll see the crack there um, and obviously folks you can listen to the Jeff Reinbold show at least once a week Jeff had a different podcast out yesterday with Ollie Hodgkinson Pro Football Network looking ahead of the draft there'll be more ones coming out at the middle of next week with his people's draft coming up we can go live if you'd like Jeff next Thursday at the same time we can have some fun the week before the draft and then we're live uh, well I, I'm live anyway 11.50pm with special guests we go fully live at 1am for the draft two weeks tonight and somehow in between all of that i have to work on the friday that, that's a whole different discussion but jeff uh, this has been good crack tonight hasn't it it's been awesome but i got one more because we had uh we had a fan hit us with a yes. question hit me with a fan question on twitter and i wanted to get back to him because i said we would do it on the jeff Reinbold show have you got it there because I, I haven't got it have you, have you got it it was the, the question was relative to bosa Nick Bosa. I've got it. I've got it, was... it. I've got it. So it's okay. from Nick Catterall in Southport, Lancashire. To finish off the show, Nick, here you go, my friend. Conventional coaching of uh, of DL suggests that in a three-point stance, the inner hand nearest the ball is the one on the ground. Studying film of Nick Bosa, he often grounds the other hand. Would there be a specific reason for this, Jeff? Or just just personal preference? Uh, all right. I You know why I love that question? That shows me how much knowledge has spread and how much the fans particularly in the uk and ireland are really pay attention to football now right you would have never 10 years ago you would have never got that question yeah right because everybody just watched the ball right now people are starting to learn the game and i love it i absolutely love it because my number one passion is helping play people understand the football understand the game what he's talking what nick's talking about is that's called ball hand down, right? And so normally you put your ball hand down in your stance. However, Bosa at times will line up with his non-ball hand down, right? And I think it could be, I don't talk to Nick Bosa on a regular basis. So I, again, I'm not going to say I said Nick told me this, but normally in my experience in 20 some years of pro football, that when a player puts his non-ball hand down, one of two things happen. 
either that's what he's most comfortable in getting off the line of scrimmage. He feels he's fastest that way. Or number two, it's some sort of way of distributing his weight because he's going to do a, make a particular move. That's dangerous because that's what offensive line coaches and offensive linemen study all week long. Okay, so Bose is on the right-hand side. He's got his left hand down. He's going to run uh, a speed-to-power move, right? And then they'll cut them all up. The, this is what will happen in, in the, the film guy will cut every picture where Bose's hand's like that, and then they'll put on a piece on a reel, and then they'll show it to the offensive line and say, okay, when his hand's like this, expect this move, right? That's how technical the game gets. Or, like I said, it just may mean that that's where he feels most comfortable and that he's fastest. I forgot it was a mute. I love it. I love it. And yeah. I, I, lo- I love those sort of questions because I literally got that notification on my phone when that came in as well. You tagged me and uh, just thanks to everyone for putting the questions in tonight, Jeff. Kinds, bro, those are the kinds of answers the fans ain't getting other places. They can only get this them. Is it. So I, well, get those questions in and it's awesome. I, I fully appreciate you being here and obviously thanks to everyone over 3,000 people on Twitter tonight have watched this, people on YouTube, Fred, Luke, um, Paul, um, Terry, the Talking Balls team, uh, big NFL podcast from Northern Ireland, Jeff, I'll have to get you linked up with them at some point um, and just obviously just a massive thanks to everyone that's watched, that's listening and just a personal thanks to everyone that's listened to the podcast and um, to see a podcast that's only five or six months old chart in the top five in Ireland is bananas. Please do give us a like, share, follow follow Jeff's podcast also, Jeff Reinbold Show. And you can check out the PFI College Football Show as well because I literally just talk about football all day. It's great crack. Jeff, uh, that was good crack. I have to go. And thanks, thank you to Luke for your comment also. I have to go and meet uh, Mr. Biden for uh, a pint tomorrow. So I, I will chat to you soon, my friend. Uh, All right, chat, my to you, what, you chat to you two, two weeks tonight. Yeah? All right, man. Great to be with it's you. Really all good. Appreciate my mouth.